Good morning, Grace. Good to see all of you this morning, and uh, hope you've had a good week. You're ready to worship the Lord, and uh, ready, to, ready to do that through song and the Word. I wanted to make an announcement, and then Kevin Landers has one. Um, obviously, all of you guys know uh, about the tornadoes um, in Fultondale and Centerpoint this uh, past week. And what we wanted to do was help out uh, the way that we can as a church. And uh, Christy Russell is kind of heading that up for us. And um, we are collecting gift cards uh, to Home Depot and Lowe's. And so if you would like to contribute to that, um, Christy, raise your hand. That's Christy. Stand up, Christy. Stand up, Christy. There's Christy. For those of you who do not know Christy, um, and uh, we're collecting those gift cards to be able to hand out to families in need. And uh, if you're not able to do that and you want to just give monetarily, uh, you can just mark that on your envelope and just put tornado relief and we'll make sure that it gets to uh, the proper people who are in need. And... Um, we're trying to do our best to help out these communities who've suffered a great deal of loss. And so if you guys are interested in that, please kind of make note of that for this week, and we'll try to get to, to those families uh, in need. Kevin, you come and make your announcement. All right, good morning. Um, real quick announcement. Uh, so Grace Communities College and Career will be kicking back off uh, soon. So if you are a college-aged student uh, or a young career, uh, if you will, um, we look forward for you joining us. Uh, we're also looking forward to seniors. I see a few of them in here today uh, that will be coming out of youth. So if you are one of those or have a child uh, that is a senior this year, we would like to have them start joining us with some activities as well. Um, we have some fantastic leaders involved in this. We have some great things planned for this year, um, great studies, uh, great fellowship activities, and so we're looking forward to that. We do have a questionnaire uh, that we are asking college-age students, even if they're not part of our fellowship, uh, to fill out. We want that input, and so we need your email address for that. Um, if you can get that to me or, or Kristen um, in the near future, um, we would appreciate that. We want your feedback and input. We want this to be your ministry, and uh, so we would appreciate your help. Okay, thank you. All right, thank you, Kevin. Um, if you could just take your Bibles and go to Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, we want to begin there um, this morning, reading uh, verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3. <clears throat> Before we do that, um, there are four or five Sunday months in the year. And on the fifth Sunday of those months, we do something a little bit different, whether it's missions or having a mission speaker, or we might have the youth do the service, which we'll have them do again this year. Um, just different focus, uh, I guess you would say, on the fifth Sunday of months. And um, so today's one of those days. And we're going to be looking at uh, Grace Community Church and the foundation of the church, which is Christ. And then we'll be looking at uh, our vision statement, mission statement, and then the pillars of grace. And um, I'll just say this, that you can attend a church and not know what's going on. I know that's kind of maybe hard to believe, but it is possible. And you can just be attending and not be involved in the guts of it. And we want to make sure that you understand uh, our philosophy of ministry and what we do here at Grace, that we have an 
you know, they're intentional things that we do. We have purpose. And all of that is built on the foundation of Christ. And I want you to be more than just an attender. And more than me wanting you to be that, the Lord wants you to be that. Right? He wants you to use the gifts and the talents that, that he's given you for his glory and his honor. And um, so this morning our focus is going to be on those things. For some of you it will be a reminder. For others it may be the first time you see this or have seen this. It's hard to believe but this coming up Thanksgiving will have been in the building for five years. And so um, the Lord has um, brought us some new folks in those five years. And some of you guys probably have not seen this presentation. I've only done it one other time since we've gotten in the building and the Lord kind of got on to me about that. I was like, I hate that. These people need to know what you guys are doing at Grace, what the elders' commitment is. And so um, we will be going over that today. It's a, a long PowerPoint, but I did get through it in the first service. And the Lord willing, we'll get through it in the second. It's a lot di more difficult in the first because there's a limited amount of time. But I can keep you guys here till 1.30 or 2 o'clock. It's no big deal, right? So um, we'll look forward to that together, and maybe you'll have a little bit better understanding of your individual responsibility as a believer, and then corporately, uh, what we're committed to. So I hope that makes sense, and I hope the handout will help you, and the great part about the handout is you get to take it home, and you can work on it. You can add things to it, and look, and study, and research yourself. But we believe these things to be important in the life of the church, and so I want to just kind of start there, just explaining to you guys so we won't be in the book of 2 Timothy today. We will be back in the book of 2 Timothy next week. But we will refer to 2 Timothy uh, this morning. So, All right, I'd like you to um, stand as we read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 together. Paul writes to the Ephesian church. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Um, verse 21, that word glory there is very, very important. That we would all understand that the church exists ultimately in purpose for the glory of God. It's all about his glory. And uh, I think there are times when maybe a church or churches in a community um, don't necessarily focus on the glory of the Lord as much as they focus on the glory of man. And so we want to make sure we're different. And I think different for me just means biblical. We want to make sure that this church is a biblical church. We're not going to be a perfect church, but we want to be a biblical church. And when we understand what the word says, we want to adhere to that. And so... We understand from this writing in Paul's letter that all the glory belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to give God all the glory. So that's our commitment, and I trust that will be your commitment and even more of your commitment uh, as you leave today. So let's open with a word of prayer, and then we'll sing to the Lord, all right? Lord, this is another day that you've made. We need to rejoice. Be glad in it, Lord, for you are the giver of life. We acknowledge that this morning, and we're thankful, so, so thankful, Lord, for the life that you've given us, and if we're believers for the abundant life that we have. 
It's a life that's really an overflowing life. A life that um, it's hard really to describe. There are just so many blessings in knowing you. I pray, Lord, that if there's one in this place today that does not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, that today could be that day of salvation. And Father, I just pray that this morning, everything that we do through song and through your word, as we talk about the church, that the Lord Jesus Christ would receive all the honor and all the glory. And we make our prayer in his name. Amen. Remain standing as we worship the Lord together this morning. And um, we serve a great God. Uh, every breath we receive in life is a gift from him. Uh, but he didn't just create us and leave us. He is mighty to save us. And he's conquered death and the grave. Those are the things we want to sing about this morning. So let's, let's worship the Lord together. Oh, yeah. 
earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry, these bones will sing, Everyone needs compassion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes that conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. you find me, all my fears and failures, fill my life again, give my life to follow, everything I believe in, now I surrender, I surrender. forever author of salvation heroes that conquer the grave 
Jesus conquered the grave. Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes that conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave, Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save, He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes that conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave. sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope No place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested my life began Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to death. When death was arrested, my life began. For your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new, now life begins with you release from my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully bore he cancelled my debt and he called me his friend that's when death was arrested and my life began. Your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new, now life 
begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new now. Life begins with you. Our Savior displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. For your grace so free washes over me. You have made me new now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down on us. You have made us new, now life begins with you. Oh, we're free, free forever, we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free forever. stood before creation, eternity in your hand. You spoke the earth into motion, my soul now to stand. stood before my failure, carried the cross for my shame. Sin weighed upon your shoulders, my soul now to stand. What can I say? What can I do? And offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. 
So I look upon salvation, your spirit alive in me, my life to declare your promise, my soul now to stand. So what can I say? What can I do but offer this heart, oh God, completely to you? What can I say? What can I do? Offer this heart, oh God, completely to you. So I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. I'll stand. My soul, Lord, you surrendered all I am is yours. I'll stand with arms high and heart abandoned in all of the one who gave it all. I'll stand, my soul, Lord, to you surrendered. same songs next week I told them first service I don't know if they heard me but man you couldn't pick four better ones in a praise just a praise time to the Lord just 
you know, you think about the last song that we sang, and, you know, in order to um, stand, your view of God has to be correct. See, because the song talks about surrender. You're not going to surrender unless you have a right view of God. And all the things that he's done for you and for me. And so, um, thank you guys very, very much. I'd like to have a word of prayer. Can we pray together? Before we sing the song, I'll stand. And we live in a time where we're going to be challenged with that. There's no doubt in my mind about it. I pray that we'll stand in the midst of all that is false. That we will stand on the word of God and the gospel of Christ. I pray today, Lord, as we look at your church, it's your church, that we will have a better understanding of the commitments that we need in our own lives individually and then corporately as those who belong to Christ. What are the things, Lord, that you will teach us individually first, that you'll remind us of that need to be commitments that we've made in our lives, Lord, that you would place on our hearts the importance of surrender completely, surrender to you. I pray that your spirit would work mightily in the hearts of every one of us this morning. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So you have a handout on your uh, chair, and um, we're actually going to make it through all of that today. Um, I wanted to begin by just sharing this with you, that it's assumed in a church that everybody is on the same page. But that's an assumption. Do you know the things that we are committed to here at Grace? We started meeting on this campus in the fall of 16. And I can only think of one other time that I did this presentation, but not this specific one. I made some adjustments to this one, added some things to it that I think are relevant for all of us to consider. But I can't assume that everyone in this room is on the same page spiritually, nor can I assume that everyone in this room is on the same page corporately. In other words, being committed to the things that we are committed to here at Grace. It's important, especially for those of you who've recently joined us, to understand the commitments. So there's really two groups of people in here. Those who've heard some of this that need to assess these commitments, and then those who may have never heard this before. I coach a softball team. They are 6th graders through 12th graders, girls. And um, that alone is interesting uh, because the Lord gave us boys, and so I've never had to be around girls this much. There's a lot to learn. I'm still learning things that I do not know. Why they get emotional as much as they do, but the Lord is teaching me. And graciously, I have a couple of assistants that understand them better. One of the things that we do on our softball team is we have a wristband. Every girl is given a wristband, and on that wristband, 
there are numbers that are on there. And next to the numbers are like the word bunt or sacrifice squeeze or the infield in or the outfield in. There's lots of different calls. So, for example, if I called out 201 and that was a bunt, I expect the girl that's in the batter's box, first of all, to be out of the batter's box and to look down at me. And I will call out that number and she will look at her wristband and all the girls in the dugout and the coaches and the girl at bat will know what needs to be done. All of us are hopefully on the same page. And sometimes I might call a hit and run. I might say 402. And so that means the girl that's at the plate is making contact with that softball even if she has to go out to the parking lot. Okay, that's called a hit and run. I want her to put the bat on the ball at all costs. And she not only knows hopefully what she's doing, but the rest of the girls in the dugout do, and hopefully the rest of the coaches. Why? Because we need to be on the same page. We need here at Grace to be on the same page. There needs to be a clear understanding of the commitments that we have as a church body. Now, when I say church body, I mean made up of believers. Okay, the church is the called out ones, the assembly of believers. So those that are assembled at grace who are believers in Christ need to be on the same page. You say, well, where do we get our direction? That's a good question. Our direction comes from the word of God. This is not man-made or man-centered. It is Christ-centered. And it comes from the Word of God. And so this morning, I want to take you through our vision statement, mission statement, and our pillars that we are committed to here at Grace. So we'll begin with our vision statement. Our vision statement says this, knowing Christ and making Christ known. Now what's involved in knowing Christ? It involves you as an individual getting to know the Lord on a regular basis. It means that you are committed to a life of looking and researching the Scriptures, a life of prayer, a life of, of meditation on the Word of God. So knowing Christ, the Scriptures are clear that we are to be about that. We are to grow in the grace, as Peter wrote, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're to grow in Him. And if we're going to grow in him, we have to know him. And if we're going to know him, we have to get in the book. Can we agree on that? Okay, you can't put the Bible under your pillow and hope something happens. You need to be able to take the book out and invest time in researching what God wants for our lives as individuals. And then making Christ known. I want you to notice both of those words, knowing and making, are process. It's process. Okay, it's process. You're continually putting yourself in a position to know Christ better. And then making Christ known. And that begins inside of grace. When we think about making Christ known, it's right to think that that goes outside of these walls, but it starts inside these walls. See, it starts with our children. We want to make Christ known to all the children that are here at grace. That's a responsibility we have. We want to make Christ known to our youth and to our college and to adults that come through that may sit in a congregation and have no idea who Jesus Christ is. And so the responsibility that we have as believers in Christ and one of the commitments we have here at Grace 
is to make Christ known first here. And then what happens is as we go out and we live the 166 hours, right, that the week offers us, apart from here, we are engaging people and we are asking them about their relationship with Christ. I'll give you a suggestion on that in a few moments. So knowing Christ and making Christ known. That's our vision statement. Then our mission statement is being the hands and feet of Christ. Now this is where you're involved. This is what's so awesome about the church. God created the body of Christ so that we would function together. See, hand in glove. You say, where in the world do you get that? Well, if we're going to be the hands and feet of Christ, we have to accept the gifts that God has given us. In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul writes that God has placed each member in the body of Christ just as he will. So I want you to know something. I need you to function in your giftedness if you're going to be the hands and feet of Christ in this body. See, I need you. I need encouragers. I need people who are going to be teachers. I need people who are going to be givers. You say, well, Dad, this is your church. No, it's not my church. It is the Lord's church. See, that's what we have to understand first of all. So that all of this, right, is the responsibility of the church. And I'm part of that. Are you a part of that? Do you belong to Christ? So being in the hands and feet of Christ means I'm ministering, first of all, within the walls of this church. I think churches tend to do this. Well, we're going to focus on the outside or we're going to focus on the inside. Both are right. You understand what I'm saying? Both are right. You have to focus on the inside. But you also have to focus on the outside. And so being the hands and feet of Christ involves commitment within the walls of the church. Lord, and this is, this is the challenge for you. Lord, where do you want to use me? Not, Lord, do you want to use me? He wants to. It's where... Do you want me to be used, Lord? And this is the typical response of people who are a little bit more leery. I don't think I have anything to offer. Wrong. Time out. You do. If you're in Christ, you have plenty to offer. God has equipped you through his Holy Spirit who never leaves you. See? You have opportunity within the walls of the church to minister to people and as well. This is what's going to happen to you. If that's right, it's going to be better on the outside. See, it can't just be either or. It has to be both, right? It has to be, I'm focused on the inside, and I'm focused outwardly as well. So that's the vision statement and mission statement here at Grace. Now we move to the pillars of the church, okay? The pillars of the church. Why is this not working? The pillars of the church. All right, there's five of them. There used to be four of them. You're not going to believe which one was missing. Those of you who've been with us for a while may know the four that have always been up there. Teaching, fellowship, missions, and discipleship. Can you imagine the one in the middle was missing? And we were at the elders meeting a few years ago, and... It was just like, we were going through this, and we were talking, and I don't remember which elder, it doesn't matter, but it came to the point of discussion, like, where's prayer? And you remember in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the early church was committed to teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and what? Prayer. So, 
the elders were like, wow, we, we need this in here. And, and that was our fault as elders. And so we put it right there because we want to be reminded as believers in Christ that prayer is essential, not only in our personal lives, but corporately as a church. So these pillars that we look at, first of all, it needs to be said, are built on the foundation, which is Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3, verse 11, it says, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, this is, this is how that works out. If there are church, local bodies that uh, the foundation is man, you know what's going to happen to that? It's going to crumble. You say, that I know churches, big, big churches, that, that it looks like the, the foundation is built on man. It'll crumble. It's going to come to its knees. Do you know the average church in North America is 100 people? Do you know that? Not very many people. You say, how do those little churches survive? You can't say like every one of them, but a lot of them have the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, there are big churches that have the same. My point is this. You're either going to have a church that's foundation is Christ or you're not. And I can tell you the commitment here at Grace is that our foundation, we understand it to be Jesus Christ. And so we're standing on that solid foundation. And every one of these pillars comes from the Word of God, not something we're making up. It comes from the Word of God. And so as we talk through these, I think it's imperative that you yourself evaluate individually and then all of us evaluate corporately. But I believe it begins with us as individuals. We will start with the pillar of teaching. Teaching. What's interesting is I went back and I looked through um, the Gospel of John. The Spirit led me there to think about what that would have looked like, that teaching ministry for the apostles. Now, what did the apostles have? They had the life of Christ, right? They walked with him. They talked with him. They saw what he did. They heard him. But they also had the law and the prophets. What do we have? The full revelation of God. That's a pretty big advantage. We have all of God's revelation to us. For them, remember in the context of John 16, Jesus has already told them back in chapter 13, Hey, I'm leaving, and where I'm going, you can't come now. But you're going to come later. Now, if you're one of those apostles, you're going, huh? And then you remember in chapter 14, he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God and believe also in me. In my Father's house are what? Many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for who? You. So those guys are going, hallelujah, but it's still future. What's on their minds? Hey, he's just told us he's leaving us. But if you advance the pages through John, he tells them that he's been with them and that a helper is coming. Another of the same kind who is the spirit of Christ that would reside in them. You say, well, how important was that? Very important. Especially when you think about the teaching ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ and him being with them and all of a sudden he's saying, look, I'm about to leave you, and where I'm going, you can't come now. 
So how important are John 16 and John 17 in light of that? Very important. Notice what it says in verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into what? All the truth. We can depend on this. Just like the apostles were dependent on that. We can depend on this as believers. The Spirit of God is going to lead you into all the truth. You say, well, where's the truth? Answer, the book. He's going to lead you into all the truth. This is what I find kind of incredible in conversations sometimes these days. Hey, Thad, isn't there more than just the Bible? Isn't there something else you can give me? You know, my marriage is in trouble. And I'm like, well, I can give you some suggestions. You can take your wife out for a nice dinner. That'd be good. Don't forget her anniversary. Don't forget her birthday, right? Don't forget Christmas. I can give you suggestions, and those are fine. But if you want a godly marriage, where would I go? Answer, the book. Ephesians. Colossians, books like that, that define the role of the husband and the wife in marriage. So we have, as an advantage, the full revelation of God. And we know if the Spirit of God resides in us, He's not leading us into something that is false. He's leading us into the truth. So the next time you have an issue come up in your life, can I encourage you with something? Look to the book. Get your concordance out and look up the word fear. See what happens. Right? You might discover like, whoa, wow, it's good stuff. Is fear real? Yes, it is. In the life of people, absolutely. Anxiety real? Yes. In the life of people, absolutely. All of us have had those things. Who is the answer for those things? Christ is. So I would encourage you, right, if you're struggling with something, that you just go to the Word, right? Because that's what the apostles were told, that the Spirit of God would lead them into all the truth. And some of the apostles wrote <laughs> what we have here right in front of us. You remember in the high priestly prayer in John 17, as Jesus prays for his disciples, he says, sanctify them where? In the truth. Set them apart in the truth. That has to be the priority. Guys, if we're not sanctified or set apart in the truth, we're going to get off base. We're going to be influenced to wrong thinking. So he says, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. So he not only says, hey, set them apart in the truth, but he tells them, hey, look, he says, Father, your word is truth. So that's how he's praying for them. Um, there's a quote there for you. The authority of every Christian teacher should be the word of God. Do you agree with that? You can expect that here at Grace. Whether you go to discipleship ministry, college ministry, high school ministry, the center of that is the Word of God and the Gospel of Christ. And if it's not, I want to know. It has to be. I mean, you're not coming here looking for opinions. You're coming here looking for the truth. And that comes from the Word of God. I love what Howard Hendricks says about this issue of not only teaching but of learning. There's a little book that he wrote, and if you don't have it in your library, get it. 
you know, and nowadays you can just kind of download books. I don't know how to do all that, but you guys do. So do whatever it takes. Get the book, Teaching to Change Lives by Howard Hendricks. It is one of the best little books I've ever read in my life, and it's a little book. So if you don't like big, thick books, hey, you're, you're in, in good shape, right? It's a small book, but he says if we stop learning today, we stop teaching tomorrow. We have to be committed to be learners. That starts with me and runs down all the way through the congregation. Every one of us have to have the commitment to learning. Because if we stop learning, we stop teaching. Okay, It's very, very important that we be committed to that. And then you see that other quote that talks about the importance of always being a learner. Always being a learner. No one ever gets to the point where they're like, I got it all figured out. All of us are learners, and some of us are teachers. Here's what happens in a church at times, which is unfortunate. Well, adult teachers are really important. But we can slack off when it comes to children. Wrong. Where does the foundation begin in a church? With kids. Listen, we have to have people in this body that are committed to the Word of God and teaching the Word of God unapologetically, from our littlest of kids all the way through. I can tell you this. In our Sunday school ministry, that is there. In our Awana ministry, that is there. In our youth ministry, that is there. In our college and career ministry, that is there. It's there in every ministry. The center of that's the Word. Okay? It's very important for all of us to understand. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17... Paul writes this, and we're obviously going through the book of 2 Timothy, and we'll eventually end up in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And you'll have forgotten this by the time I get to it. But it says, all Scripture is inspired by God. That means God-breathed and profitable. It's useful. It's useful for what? Teaching. Now, that word teaching in the Greek means doctrine. It's useful for doctrine. You know, when people think about doctrine, they're like, man, that's boring. Right? That's a lot of people's thinking. Well, that's just boring. Do we have to talk about you know, eschatology and ecclesiology? I don't even know what those words mean. Eschatology referring to the end times, is that kind of important to know? Yeah. Ecclesiology, the church, kind of important to know. Soteriology, important. You're like, man, those are big words. They are big words. But here's the thing. They have definitions we all can understand. Myself and you. Soteriology is the doctrine of salvation. All those things are important, okay? And so Paul says, listen, the word of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Now look at this, this last phrase. So that the man of God may be adequate, that means able to function. Man, I like that definition. So what's going to help me function properly? The book. <laughs> and then he says, Adequate, equipped. Now that word there, the picture of that word is really cool. It's a picture, and it was used this way in Paul's day. It was a word used of a rescue boat that was completely outfitted with all that it needed to rescue someone. If a rescue boat is headed towards you, don't you hope that they have a life preserver? Yes, you do. Because you may be floundering and need it. If they got, if the boat got out to you and it had no life preserver, you'd be like, hello, right? Before you drowned. 
They need to have right, equipment in order to rescue people. And that was the picture here. So what's it saying to us? This is really awesome. He's saying that the Word of God is adequate and it equips, it outfits us for everything that we face. <laughs> That's awesome, right? You can't even go to a doctor and get that guarantee. They don't know. They're giving you medicine. They hope it works. They hope there's no side effect. Here's the thing. We get the book, and we're good to go. The issue is we have to get in the book. I can promise you this, and as long as I am behind this pulpit, I'll be getting in the book. And I believe that every one of the elders is committed to that, every one of the deacons, every one of the leaders that I know that lead ministries in this church are committed solidly to the Word of God. You can take that to the bank and make the deposit. That's important to know if you're visiting here with us at Grace. And then there's another passage, First Tim, excuse me, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2, and we will get to that as well, where he talks about preaching the Word, so the Word again being the centerpiece. All right, so the first pillar is teaching. Where do we get our teaching from? We get it from the Word of God. Let me just make one comment about the teaching piece. A lot of people have multiple teachers in the church today. Okay? So, be careful who you're listening to. Be careful who you're watching. And be careful about the books that you read. Do you know what can happen? You can get off lost in a book. And you can get in big trouble. Okay? I've been handed books over the years. I was handed a book years ago. And it wasn't even here. I was in another state, and I was handed a book, and um, I read it, and I had read it already, and the person asked me, Thad, what do you think about this book? I was like, "Mm, well, I think he falls short in defining hell. The author of the book said eventually everyone would end up in heaven. Is that true? They liked the language of the book. It was soft. I mean, listen, nobody likes to have somebody get on them. But the reality of it is this, that there are times when we have to be warned because of false teaching. So we need to have our ears open and our eyes open. All right? Okay, so that's teaching. Second pillar here at Grace is fellowship. Now, this is very important to have in your minds. Fellowship is not just horizontal if that's all it is you're missing out it's vertical first okay it's with you and the lord that sound okay it's with you and him and then it's with the body of christ in fact that's exactly what uh, john is writing in first john chapter one verse three notice he says what we have seen and heard we proclaim to you what had they seen and what had they heard Well, they saw Christ and they heard Christ. That's what John's writing about. He says, we were witnesses. We were eyewitnesses to the resurrected Christ and to his life. He says, what we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you also. Isn't that good? That's good stuff because it's like the foundation. They're not making it up. Hey, what we've seen, what we've heard, we've proclaimed to you also. 
And he tells them a reason. He says, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Now notice that fellowship is going to be centered around the Lord. And he says it. He says, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So true biblical fellowship is what we share together in Christ. That's true biblical fellowship. We share together a common life, and that is Christ. So that's what John writes about. Now, did he want fellowship with these folks he's writing to? Because the book of 1 John is about fellowship. Yes. He wanted fellowship with others. Don't you want fellowship with other believers? Hope so. Where does that start? It starts with fellowship with the Lord, right? And if we come together, that's what's so awesome about coming together as believers. When we come together as believers, the center of that fellowship piece is Christ. If it's not, something's wrong. I would say that that needs to be something considered for every one of us. One of the most interrupted things in the last 11 months has been fellowship. It's important that we have it right. Fellowship with the Lord brings then fellowship with one another, right? There's a great picture of this in Acts chapter 2. In verses 42 through 47. Uh, Corey Cooper, a few weeks ago, several weeks ago, uh, spoke on Acts 2.42. That they were committed, the early believers were committed to teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. But if you look at that, just in the context, he talks about the fellowship piece. And how that was working out with the believers there. And notice what it says. It says, all the believers, number one, were together. That's been challenged in the last 11 months, true? Absolutely. There is no replacement for being together. You just can't replace that. You know what heaven's going to be about? Being with Christ, being with Him. See, we get a taste of that, in one sense, being together, right? Because at the center of that, being together is Christ. It says they were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Look at this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Every day, every day, every day. You say, well, they were set up different. Their communities were different. Okay, I get that. But they took time to meet together. You say, well, how does that impact me? Good question. There are plenty of opportunities for you here at Grace to meet together with other brothers and sisters in Christ. I encourage you to do that. We need the encouragement. Look at the day we're living in where people are so discouraged. We need encouragement. And that comes together as we meet together. It says they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. That sounds good right now. I'm hungry. My stomach is growling right as I'm speaking. They ate together. You say, well, was the centerpiece of that the food? No, it wasn't. When I fellowship with people, I want to eat good food. How about you? Right? You want to eat good food when you fellowship? Absolutely. It says they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Can I encourage you with a challenge about this fellowship piece about coming together? Let's say that just for example, you're going to have people in your home. And let's say that, because this is true for all of us, that we get comfortable with certain folks and we have the same folks in all the time. Right? Just sometimes that happens. And let's just say that 
right, we could become more cognizant of that. We're like, man, we just have the same people over and over again. You know what? This month, we're going to invite this family. You say, now hold on a second, Thad, you're interrupting. No, I'm not. I'm just putting out there a challenge. Because it's important for all the body to feel like they're part of the body. And I know this, one of the things the Lord has had to do with me over the years is stretch me in this area. So it's imperative that we meet together, but notice the centerpiece of this for them. They met together, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, doing what? What are they doing? Praising God. At the center of fellowship is who? The Lord. It's the Lord. You know what's so wonderful about fellowshipping with believers? That when you come into a home and it's, and it's time to, to eat, what's going to happen? There's going to be thankfulness given to the Lord for the things that you have, that God's given to us. There's going to be even an openness there in your home to where if something's going on in one of the family's lives, you guys can say, hey, look, let's pray about that. Right? Fellowship in the body, you just can't replace that. God designed us to be together okay ultimately for his glory but he's designed us to be together you say well what does the enemy think about this not too much look at what ch spurgeon says about this fellowship piece he says satan always hates christian fellowship man i love christian fellowship i love being around members in the body of christ Spurgeon says, it is his policy to keep Christians apart. He's done pretty good at that in the last 11 months. And I know the challenges that are there, but there's different ways to communicate nowadays. I mean, growing up in the 70s and 80s, I graduated in 82. I mean, if you wanted to fellowship with someone on the phone, you had to make an effort. We had those old rotary dials, right? You had to move that finger. So if I wanted a date, I had to make an effort, right? If I wanted to talk to somebody, I had to make an effort. Nowadays, you just, you know, hit some buttons and you're good to go. There's a lot of ways that we can fellowship even in times like this. Spurgeon goes on to write, anything which can divide saints from one another, he delights in. I'll just let you think on that one. He's been doing a pretty good job of that. Doesn't take much to divide. I gave him an assignment first service. So I want you to go home and write the things, write things down that divide a church. <laughs> That's not exactly one of your favorite things to do necessarily. But I mean, there's churches on every corner. How'd they get to be that way? A lot of division. He says, since union is strength, he does his best to promote separation. And even in the church at times, there's separation. And even in the church at times, people have to be encouraged toward coming together. For example, how would you like to be Euodia or Syntyche? Syntyche. How would you like to be one of them? The, the only time your name is mentioned in the Word of God is, hey, you need to live in harmony in the Lord. You need to get along. Notice Paul doesn't tell us what the issue is. Because that's not the point. The point's not the issue. <laughs> the point is you can live in harmony in the Lord. And that last phrase is critical. The harmony comes in the Lord. 
You ever had an issue with another, another believer? I'm raising my hand. I remember one time I had an issue with another believer, and I got home, and um, it was a Wednesday night, and I got home, and my heart was just like, the Lord just wouldn't let me go. He's like, Dad, you know what you need to do. You ever had that happen? You got a choice at that point. You're going to obey or not. I was like, Lord, but I, Lord, but I, and I give a lot of excuses, and he's just kept pounding on me. Cool part is I went down and met the person. When the person opened the door, they were like, I, I couldn't wait for you to get here. Bottom line is that at times we have to humble ourselves in order to be right with brothers and sisters in Christ. Even when we're not wrong. Are you listening to me? Even when we're not wrong. Because this is the way we look at it sometimes. We'll go, well, I'm right. They're coming to me. Cross our arms and go, I'm not doing it. Well, hold on a second. What is it? What is Paul doesn't even give them any room. He, he doesn't even talk about it. He just says live in harmony. Live in unity. And the unity comes from being in Christ. The other verse that I gave to you, I think it's really important for us to consider as it relates to being consistent in our fellowship and being a part of the local body. The author says, And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. I know people that have been just disenchanted with a church and left the church and never gone to another church. Never. And are still out of church. You say, Thad, that happens? Mm-hmm. It's difficult. So we have to make sure that we're not forsaking our own assembling together. And notice what the author writes. He says, is it the habit of some? Some are already doing that. But he says, encouraging one another. The picture of encouragement in the New Testament is you come alongside somebody. That's the picture. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see what? The day drawing near. What day's coming? Judgment. And if we're in Christ, we know it. See, the world's out there going, I'm not sure what's going on. This is going to sound weird to you. But during the tribulation period, there are going to be some that are looking for and seeking death. Are you listening to me? It's in the book. They're looking for and seeking death. And can you imagine in the culture we're living in today? Read Revelation. It gives you an idea of the judgment that's drawing near. All right, I just wanted to give you these extra thoughts on fellowship because I think this is really, really important for us to consider. These three thoughts, I put a couple of thoughts. I should have put three thoughts. <laughs> but here are a couple of thoughts for you to consider about fellowship. Fellowship is sharing together. It's a together thing, a common life centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a common life. You serve the same Lord and Savior. Fellowship is a relationship, not an event. Events have a starting time, and events have a closing time. Fellowship is all the time. It's all the time. It's not an event. And any event that follows is to naturally flow or come out of the relationship. And then thirdly, fellowship is on two levels. The vertical and the horizontal. The vertical directly impacts the horizontal. So listen, that's what, this is what that means. 
when my fellowship with the Lord is not right, I'm not going to see the importance of being with the body as much as I need to. It's the truth. All right? Okay, so that's fellowship. Now we come to the one that we had left out. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Prayer. I don't have time to go through all of this, but I wanted to encourage you in a couple of areas with these verses. The Apostle Paul writes to the church at Rome, and he says, In the same way the Spirit also helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. A couple of things to think about here. The Spirit of God is always there for us. You say, with that, how do you know that? That's not what it says here. Yes, it does. Notice that last part of the phrase, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. That word intercedes is in the present tense. And it means this, he always, all the time, intercedes for us. All the time. I don't know about you, but I like that. He always intercedes for us. Because it is true that we don't know how to pray at times. Wouldn't you say that? The older you get, sometimes you're like, man, Lord, I mean, I don't know if this happened to you, but I've been in my truck or my office, and I'm like, Lord, I'm not sure how to pray about this. I need your help. Hey, guess what? The Spirit of God's helping me in that. That's great to know. Then, in 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, this, this is another really important verse. This is the confidence which we have before him if we ask anything. And what's that next phrase say? According to what? His will. He hears us. Now, this is how that works out, practically. If I pray to the Lord and say, Lord... Help me to set my mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Is that within his will? Answer? Yep. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. But praying for someone who's going through a hard time, which we do. We may pray about a family member who's sick. We may be praying about a situation in a family and we bring it before the Lord. Is that right to do? Yes. Do we always know what God's will is in that? No. That's where man struggles. <laughs> we do. That's where we tend to live. Can I encourage us to add to our prayer life? And that would be this, that we would pray about those things in, that we know God wants us to do. That are already written down in the book. Like this, Lord, help me not to be controlled by my flesh. Do I know that's his will? That I be controlled by the Spirit? Answer, yes. So what I do, Lord, please help me be controlled by your Spirit today. Help me walk according to your Spirit today. Help me not to give in to the lust of the flesh today. Do we know that to, ought to be God's will? Answer, yes. When I'm breathing like I am, I just have so much more to say, but the clock's ticking. Ian e. Bounds says this about prayer. Prayer should not be regarded as a duty to be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. How does that sound? <laughs> Man, think about this. 
It's been arranged so that you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace. Who arranged all that? Christ. I can't even imagine that. But it's there. Prayer seems to be one of the most difficult disciplines in the Christian life for most. By the way, TCB is me, just in case you're wanting to know. So every time you see TCB in your notes, my middle name's Calvin. My first name's, full name's Thaddeus, so you can call me Thaddeus, Calvin, I don't care. But in my life, I wrote that down because that's true in my life. It's one of the most difficult disciplines. I don't know where you are in that, but. There's a story told of some early African converts to Christianity who were committed to regular private times of prayer. Each one apparently had their own spot in the jungle where they would pray. And over time, the paths um, became well-worn. If one believer began to slack off, the path would grow up. And the other believers would kindly remind the negligent one with these words, your grass grows on the path. (laughs) Imagine if we said that to one another. Your grass grows on the path. Hey, it is a difficult discipline. We're committed to it here at Grace. Every one of our ministries has times of prayer that I know of. That's important. On a corporate level, we need to think more about that as elders. How does that look? Uh, Colossians, just two other verses about, about this subject. Paul says we're to have a continual time of prayer, right? Pray without ceasing. That's an attitude of dependence. That's what that is. And then in Colossians, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. That phrase, keeping alert, describes one who is always ready. Always at the ready to pray. So prayer is a key component here at Grace. I trust that it, first of all, it's important for all of us in our personal lives, but it's also important for us corporately as a body. All right, the fourth pillar is missions. You can also put out to the side evangelism because I think they're kind of together. I think there's a little confusion about evangelism and discipleship in the church and uh, missions and all. and uh, Missions is not just the responsibility of the missionaries. All of us that are saved are missionaries. But we tend to look at it like this. Well, those guys go to the mission field, so they're missionaries. Guess what? We're on the mission field. The Lord Jesus tells his disciples, so Jesus said to them, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me, I also send you. He was sending them. And then in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, right before the ascension. i got to point this out because this is really interesting. I didn't do it first service. I didn't have time. But this is in a really interesting context. Because Israel was looking for a king and a kingdom. Don't forget that. And what they got was the suffering servant the first time. What we're going to get in the kingdom and what Israel is going to get is a ruling king named Jesus. Who's going to sit on the throne... And rule forever. He's going to rule for a thousand years on earth and then forever. Well, the disciples, they're looking for that. And in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, it says, When they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, 
is that at this time you're restoring the kingdom to Israel. A literal kingdom is what they were looking for. Where he would rule and reign. Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has fixed by his own authority. (laughs) In other words, look, that's not for you right now. That's coming where Christ will rule and reign. But right now I've got something for you to do. And if you're one of those disciples, you're like, hey, what do we got to do? He tells them. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. The word in the Greek there is the word martyrs. You're going to be my martyrs. I'm not sure quite what was going through their minds right then. But I bet a lot. We're going to be your what? Martyrs, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the remotest parts of the earth. I would say that missions begins right in our own congregation. Evangelism, sharing the gospel of Christ, begins right here. And then it moves out. That's what I wrote, actually. There's TCB again. Missions begins inside and works its way outside. You say, well, hold on. Why would you begin evangelism in the church? Because there may be people sitting in the church that aren't saved. Right? That's right. And the Apostle Paul approached it the same way. And in Corinthians and Romans, he's writing about the gospel to believers. So we always need to be considering the gospel. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, Paul tells the Corinthian church, examine yourself or test yourself to see if you're in the faith. That's a pretty big deal. That's pretty large. Test yourself to see if you're in the faith. If you're not praying at all, and you're not reading the Bible at all, is that a problem? Test yourself. So evangelism missions begins in and it works its way out. Notice what Spurgeon says. It is the whole business of the whole church to preach the gospel to the whole world. <laughs> she said, hold on a second. That I, just don't have, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, guess what we're going to discover in 2 Timothy? Neither did Timothy. You know what it says about Timothy in chapter 4? It says, Paul says to him, do the work of an evangelist. He didn't have the gift of evangelism like Paul did. You imagine Paul, he'd share with a wall, right? If the wall would listen, he's out there and he's sharing the gospel with anyone he comes in contact with all the time. Timothy didn't have that personality. He was more timid. Guess what you can do? I got a suggestion, just a practical one for all of us in here who are a little more timid about it. When you walk out those doors, and if we run out, we'll get more, those little Gospel of John's, take one with you and give it to somebody this week. You say, what am I handing them? The Gospel. That's what you're handing them. It's the Word of God. See? So it's all of our responsibility to be missionaries, to have that mind of spreading the Gospel. Mark 16, 15, and 2 Thess 3 talk about the importance of that. The Lord Jesus says in Mark, go into all the world and preach the gospel to what? To all creation. Everyone needs to hear it. You can never share the gospel of Jesus Christ enough. All right, the last one, discipleship. This one could go under, and for some people, they're like, why didn't this go under missions? And there's an, I have an explanation for that, because there's more than just missions in this verse. 
There's more than just making disciples here. There's baptizing and there's teaching. There's more. And I hope that makes sense to you because a lot of times the focus on, in Matthew 28 is just on making disciples. Now this is the way it reads in the original language. A lot of times people will emphasize the word go, but the way it reads in the original is as you are going. Okay, go is not a command. It's as you're, in other words, it's this, as you're doing life, as you're walking along, make disciples. That's his point. So we're walking along all the time. What are we doing? He says to them, as you're going, make disciples of all the nations. And then he says baptizing them, and that has to do with identification and obedience. It's important to identify ourselves with Christ. That's why people are baptized. That and obedience. The Lord wants his followers to be baptized. It's a picture for those that know Christ. He says baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice that last part. Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Teaching. So let's say this. Let's say as you're going along life, you have somebody in your life that comes to Christ, and they want to be baptized, and you're like, they're in. I think a lot of that happened in the 60s and 70s, for sure. What didn't happen as much is the teaching. Oh, they got the pastor in the pulpit. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an individual walking alongside of them and doing life with them. You say, yeah, but that takes time. That's right. That takes commitment. That's right. That takes effort. That's right. But I don't have time. Make time. It's important. That we walk alongside believers and we teach them to observe all the Lord has commanded. Why do you think people get to the age of 40 and 50 and they have been saved for 20 years and it, 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 they, they, they're giving you answers and explanations that an infant would give you? Why? That. That's why. I think it's been one of the, I'm not criticizing this church, or the church overall, like, I'm not beating them up, but I'm just saying that we could do better at that. Because there are a lot of people in the church that are not discipled, that know the Lord, but they haven't been discipled. I like what A.W. Tozer says about this. He says, only a disciple can make a disciple. (laughs) That's pretty short and sweet, isn't it? Only a disciple can make a disciple. What is a disciple of Christ? A follower. So who's the one leading us in discipleship? The Lord. So as I'm walking along, I'm looking to the Lord, and the person beside me looks at me because I'm looking to the Lord. That's the picture. You say, where do you get that? First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 says, in the original language, it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The word imitate means to mimic. We get our word mimic from that word. It literally means this, right? If you have a father, let's just, you know, pretend. I'm a father, and I have a son who's like half pint here, right? He's, he's to my knees, and he's walking alongside of me. And let's say that, 
I'm walking across the living room, and I'm kind of walking like this. And all of a sudden, somebody walks in the house, and this little half pint is walking just like his dad. He's mimicking what he what? What he sees. He's mimicking what he sees. So the question becomes, what are people seeing? When you think about this statement that Paul makes, that's a strong statement. He's saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. What's he saying? I'm imitating Christ. I'm imitating him. That's a strong statement. You could almost look at that and go, man, that's arrogant. But you know what? He's just so sold out. The focus wasn't on himself. The focus was on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right? A couple other thoughts here for you to consider in terms of discipleship. Discipleship must take place in the body for the health and strength of the body. Discipleship must take place in the church for the health and strength of the body. Add one word to that, and that's the word protection. Okay? People need to be discipled in the church for protection. Okay, we need to protect those within the body. And then the last thing here is discipleship takes place in the church. A sense of urgency should develop for those outside the church. Right? As we're discipling those within the church, there'll be more of an urgency for those outside of the church. I had an illustration that I wanted to share with you about one of these pillars and I neglected to share it, but I want to share it with you. you know, we talked about the, pill, the pillar of missions, and I read this story, and I'll close our service with this story. Um, a missionary to Africa told the story of an elderly woman who was reached with the gospel. Though she was blind and could neither read nor write, okay, so listen to that. Though she was blind and could neither read nor write, she wanted to share her newfound faith with others. She went to the missionary and asked for a copy of the Bible in French. And when she got it, she asked the missionary to underline John 3.16 in red and mark the page it was on so that she could find it. The missionary wanted to see what she would do, so one day he followed her. In the afternoon, just before school let out, she made her way to the front door. As the boys came out when school was dismissed, she would stop one and ask if he knew how to read French. And when he said yes, she would ask him to read the verse that was marked in red. And then she would ask, do you know what this means? And then she would tell them about Christ. The missionary said this, as a result of this lady who has surrendered wholeheartedly to the Lord, the missionary said that 24 of those schoolboys became involved in pastoral ministry. 24 boys. You look at all these different pillars we looked at today. Guys, it starts with each one of you individually and with myself individually. Am I committed to biblical teaching, to biblical fellowship, to prayer, to missions, and to discipleship? As God's word defines it. Am I committed to those things? And the more of us that are committed within the body, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be a union, more of a unity. 
So my prayer is that you would consider these things today. Add to it. Send me that list of why churches tend to separate. And I will look forward to getting the results from you. And anything you want to add to it. You just want to write me a note. My email address is tbluntHog at AOL. Somebody said to me yesterday, I was giving my email, and they said, AOL? I was like, look, I don't know how to do all that other stuff. It's tbluntHog at AOL.com. I'd love to see your just your comments, or if you wanted to jot my phone number down, send me a text. I'd love to receive what you have for me to consider, because we all need to be teachable. So um, my number is 205-937-7600, all right? And uh, I'd love to chat with you about the things that we've talked about today. So why don't we close our time in prayer, and then you'll be dismissed. Lord, there's a lot for our consideration today as individuals. Lord, we know that your church, first of all, is your church. And the foundation, obviously, is you, Lord. And I pray that as we build on that foundation, that that we would be Christ-centered and gospel-centered. That we would be people who are willing to look in our lives and evaluate what's going on and when we see areas of change because your spirit convinces and convicts us of those that that we'd be willing to change Lord because ultimately we want to be like Paul said imitate me as I imitate Christ we want to be more Christ like and we are so thankful that as believers we have your spirit that indwells us to lead us into all the truth so I pray that that would happen or that you would Help us to be teachable. Help us to be men and women that are committed to the gospel and sharing that inside these walls and then that going outside to others, Lord. And I pray that um, today, Lord, we would honor you in what we do and what we say. And I pray that as you give us opportunities this week to share the gospel, that it may just be handing out a gospel of John, but whatever that is, Lord, that you'd give us the strength to do that. Because it is true that people today... Um, Lord, they seem desperate, and we know the one that can calm all of the storms in their life, and that's you. So we commit ourselves to you again, anew and fresh today. Help us to honor you in what we do and what we say. And all these things we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.